life. It ain't easy. Bills, debt, mortgage, rent, get the groceries, pick up the kids, take out the garbage, lose some weight, gain some weight, go on a diet, exercise more, fix the house, repair the car, pay too much, get a deal, a daily grind, nine to five, life is hard. So who has time to follow their dreams? Well, they're out there, grinding it out every day, using every free millisecond to make it a reality. You can find their stories here on the Hometown Pipe Dreamers podcast. All right. Hey, everybody. This is Kyle Schiffer with the Hometown Pipe Dreamers podcast. This is episode number five. Now, you may notice that this is not Becca Johnson sitting across from me right now. This is Nate Reflect Armbuster. I almost called you Armbutter. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, we had to reschedule with Becca, so we'll probably hit her up next month. But we we got the Nader Bader. Yeah, here I am. So Nate is a DJ, Mm -hmm. music guy. Actor, he does a little bit of everything, so we're going to find out. We're a dabbler. <laughs> He's a dabbler and a dingler. <laughs> <laughs> so, first question, yeah. okay? Where do you consider your hometown to be? If you think of home, mm. where is home to you? Hometown. Um, you know, I would say my hometown, though I've never actually lived there. I've always identified with Philadelphia. Okay. So, even though I'm from... The Valley. I mean, I'm really not even. It's 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 a hodgepodge, but really, I'm from the Lehigh Valley. Right. But and I and I identify with the Valley. But in the music that I'm into, um, you know, Allentown is only really known by people in the tri-state area. So I've always, for the last twenty years, I've always said, Ah, I'm I'm, I'm from north of Philadelphia. I'm from the Burbs of Philadelphia. Right. The Burbs. The right. Burbs of Philadelphia, which I could easily be the Burbs of New York, but I I spent more time in Philly. Sure. I we did my friends and I did uh, several events in Philadelphia and a lot of friends there. So, I've always just sort of, sort of set up from the Burbs of Philly. So, I would say if I did, but now in my older age, I would say, you know, I live in Schnecksville, you know. Sure. <laughs> so, sure. You know, you've settled you've I've nestled settled. in now. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. I mean, this is sort of my gig now is uh you know, raising kids, but, um, so, and this is where we are, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's like a combo. I identify musically with the burbs of Philadelphia or Philadelphia, but to the local cats, I'm from, I'm from the Valley. <laughs> and I, I imagine this is a question I'll probably ask later, but, yeah. um, DJing as, you know, in a club, not, you know, over the internet, over, over the radio, over the radio. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. Is mm-hmm. probably more lucrative. In cities, I imagine. You know, and it's more lucrative now, yeah. you know, than it ever was before. Right. You know, so the kids, I mean, I would say that uh, the people that are doing it now in, that are, the guys that are, and the gals that have been doing it and are playing music that is really wanted to be heard in the cities are making a lot of money. I mean, they can make a lot, I mean, you can easily make a living and, and some. Okay, well, let's just launch right into that, okay? First of all, do you, if you remember... How did you get started with DJing? Like, what drew you to it? Yeah, it's um, it's uh, so basically, it it all started with my love of the music, and um, you know, that started in 1990. Um, I clearly remember when uh, there was two groups that they were playing on the radio, um, that changed my. There was really three, but it was Snap, you know, that song that like, I've got the power. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, when that was new, okay. um, there was um, another group called Black Box, and they had a song called Strike It Up. Okay. Um, and there was... Um, there was... Uh, other groups like CNC Music Factory and all these different groups that were doing that stuff, but but Black Box and Snap. Um, I was just like, "What is this?" Because growing up, all I heard was, you know, I list, you know, my mom was into everything, rock, hip hop, well, rap at the time was like, which is now like old school, sure, hip hop and rap, right, but right. I, you know, and all the and dance music, but not this kind of dance. This was different. This was. Very rhythmic and 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 programmed um, with really catchy vocals and really could dance to it, and that really got me into it. And from then on, I was really into the dance music, the dance scene. But I was a kid, so I didn't really know where to get it all. And then um, my brother, who's my younger brother, um, he grew up in Bethlehem, and he was more in touch with people who were into that and he was more in touch with his creative side at a younger age so he got me into a type of dance music called techno and um my at that same sort of time my really close friend joe um had a he had one turntable (laughs) and a mixer a really ghetto mixer and he was really into house and drum and bass and at the time it was called Jungle. It wasn't called Drum and Bass yet. And he actually had been, as a teenager, sneaking to Allentown to a club um, to go party with a, another friend of ours at this – there used to be a place um, called the Freight Yard in Allentown. Okay. And um, it at the time it was really actually a well-known spot on the East Coast and they were getting – so he was really into that music because of that. And my brother was really into the music because he was just really into it. And so that because they were both into it, it sort of ingrained on me. Sure. And it got me deeper into it. So they are the ones that got me into that music on a deeper level that really, they really pulled me into like the underground, as I would say. Right. And then Joey having some of the gear and him having a passion to learn how to DJ and then now having a friend that also wanted to learn. Sure. Um, that's sort of how I got into DJing was because my friend literally had like some of the gear. Right. Right. Because that's kind of part of it. Like if you don't have this stuff and when you're a kid, this stuff's expensive. Right. Um, the turntables, the mixer, um, the, the, you know, the needles that go on, you know, all that stuff costs a ton of money, which to, you know, as adults, it's nothing. But back then it seemed like, unobtainable right, um, right but he absolutely. had some and it was like yes you, you know could play around with it a we little could, bit yes yeah. we could do this and he yeah. was kind of wanting to learn too and he really wasn't sure so together we sort of started to um sort of learn how to dj together putting being able to take two tunes and put them together and and that's a whole learning process and we did that together it was a really it was a really beautiful thing i look back on it fondly right when, when i was younger it reminds me of and this is kind of off topic yeah no bit, no but, yeah um i wanted a computer like when computers were were getting big do you know what i mean like when everybody was like oh they got dial up and you're playing <laughs> games and like went to my cousin's house playing doom and you know quake and that kind of stuff yeah and finally my dad was like okay we'll get you a computer but we know i know a guy a guy at work has a friend that builds computers so i like went over to this guy's house and he had like all these computers and i thought it was great you know like he built me like this custom computer out of like basically just got grabbed like old parts 
that he had laying around and built something. <laughs> yeah. And I, I loved this thing for the longest time. Like, I don't think it worked right, you know, but, you know, I put all these games on it. Absolutely. It, you know, but, yeah. yeah, that's that's what it reminds me of. You kind of, you know, like. Well, yeah, you had like a renaissance right. sort of time. Yeah, and, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And then from there, you know, now, now it's not a huge thing to do, but I build my own computers now. You yeah, know, you're and, entrenched. I know right. you know a lot about it. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I get it. You know, starting out, like. Have, not having access to it, and then all of a sudden you're into the world. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm, I'm in there now. Yeah. You know? I mean, not to get off on a tangent, but I can relate even with the computers. When I first had my first computer of my own, that sure. was like a big deal, you know? Right, right. I remember that, like, sitting and tyking, t- uh, talking to people on AOL Instant Messenger was like a big deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. AOL Instant Messenger. Are you going Messenger. out tonight? No way. I'm sitting home and chatting in chat rooms, you know? <laughs> chat roulette, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. It was, it was the, the first way to... Uh, to be emo on on you know social yeah. media if you're if you're in a bad mood you'd, your way message would be something you know yeah yeah it would have some cryptic message right right yeah. right but now everybody just does it on Facebook and just gets on my nerves <laughs> but, yeah yeah we did it when we were kids yeah we did it when so, we were kids so yeah but anyway back to music we're, we're yeah, yeah. On, we're getting off on a tangent here. we are we okay are. so you, you kind of got into it right yes and eventually I'm guessing you got your own equipment saved up whatever I didn't I didn't for a long time okay yeah um I never when I was a kid. Um, um, so I always just did, so <laughs> to be completely honest, um, and I can't speak to all my friends about this or about them, but a lot of my friends and I, we literally just did the bare minimum to survive because all we wanted to do was go party. Right. When I say party, I don't mean like go climb a mountain and like drink beers, like, and you know, <laughs> sure. which like a lot of guys I went to high school with, that's what their thing was. Right. Um, no, no. Um, so in my culture, the music culture that I I love is a party is more than that. It's it used to be called a rave, um, and every weekend somewhere there was a big party happening. Um, when I say party, I mean anywhere from like maybe a thousand to potentially ten thousand people gathering like right. in an area and having right. like a mind blowing experience. Sure. And that happened like every weekend. At the time, it was more prolific. We'd have to travel all up and down the East Coast to get to these parties, but okay. we would. And so we literally, like, just worked enough to, like, just pay the bills or not even. <laughs> right. And um, and at the time, my friend, Joey, my dear friend, he's like a brother to me, he, um, he um, finally got, like, another proper turntable, and he got a better mixer. Like, he was the one sort of funneling his funds he had the best job of us at the time. Right, right, right. Um, and so he was able to, like, feed all of our needs. So it ended up being Joey supplied us, like, the electronic music drugs. Okay. In the way of gear. Right. And we all just spent money on our record collections, and we all stayed with him. Like, so he had a roommate, which is another friend of ours. We all basically crashed at his house. So you guys were like a team. It was like a team. There was a whole bunch of us. You were one DJ. Yeah, there was five (laughs) or six of us that all just sort of, like, stayed together. Right. And used his gear for a couple years. It was like that. Right. And, um, And we all, like, kind of learned how to do this together. So did you guys get gigs and stuff, or were you just kind of goofing around in your house? So in the beginning... Um, we did not get gigs. Um, so for several years, we just were going out where we were, we were learning what we liked, building our record collections, going out to parties, meeting, 
DJs that we looked up to and becoming friends with them and um, making lots of friends, connections, right. um, growing our circle of friends, and then uh, also coming home every day after work and on the weekends and and playing and practicing and playing and and all the guys played a little something different. Okay. So it was a really like you could come over and hang out. Like people would randomly come over and hang out, and you could hear. 10 hours of electronic music and it was all different and it was all sure you know it was really cool it was right. like uh it was like a clubhouse right right and everybody was just and uh the neighbors below they were deaf oh in the apartment that that that, yeah so uh <laughs> um they did come up and complain when the roof was starting to fall apart on them the plaster came right. down but um but yeah i mean and we just rocked out all the time so yeah i didn't even have gear right away um that took me a couple years before i um before I got the gear, I sure. and I got the gear with the help of a girlfriend at the time. Anyway, too, I didn't even have the cash. I was still broke. I was always broke. Right. I was always spending money on records and right. uh, going to parties and and you know these kinds of things. Wrongly using my money. Well, you know. <laughs> but it was to live the lifestyle. Right. Right. It was the lifestyle you wanted to live. That's it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So eventually, you got got your gear. I got my gear. Yeah. Got, got some gigs. Yep. I got some gigs. So the gigs. Um. Yeah. Um. The gigs happened because um, we ended up becoming friends with um, a really good guy. His name's Dallas, um, and he was really well connected in that scene. Um, and he was like a promoter. Okay. And he decided um, to take me on as an artist that he would promote. Okay. And he had a couple. He had a, like a stable of artists. Sure, sure. Um, uh, DJs. There, we had a singer. She was, a, she's a really great singer. Um, and, uh, a couple guys that played different things. Um, so he just started to, um, promote me and he got me a bunch of gigs, um, all over the place. Um, it started, I think my first real gig might've been in Lancaster of all places <laughs> at this little club, not the chameleon. It was a little dump of a club. Okay. Um, up, it was like a, a private club above some I don't even know where it was. Actually, I can think of exactly where it was, but I forget what it was called. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but he uh, got me in there, and then once he got me in there, he got me in there again and again and again. Um, and then uh, as he saw me grow as a DJ and knew that I could play in the cities, he got me gigs in Philadelphia. He got me gigs in New York City. He got nice. me gigs in Baltimore, um, Washington, D.C., and uh, yeah, kind of he got me um sort of you know torn around all sure, over the sure. east coast it was really cool and i got right. to um i start to blow up a little bit not not to, not that anybody knew who i was because at the time there were so many djs right only some did but i had those experiences of getting to go out and open for like international headliners and stuff right that right. started happening and it was it was amazing um opening up for some of those guys who are you know, still really big names in the music, which was really um, an exciting time in my life. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That is exciting. It was. It was really cool. It was really cool to, like, to work at something for, um, I had, at that time I had been working at it for several years with my friends and, um, and to be able to, to go do it and right. be in these rooms where there's, you know, potentially a thousand people out there or almost, you know, and, and they're listening to just me. I'm the one that's running the show and, um, and getting done and, and, and getting accolades and, and, you know, people wanting to talk to me. And that was, that was like a really fun time. Yeah. So in essence, 
you're on the hometown pipe dreamers podcast, but you've already kind of in a way achieved it. <laughs> yeah, so the, you know, I, I it, think we need to stop got, right now. <laughs> I got really lucky. Yeah, I got really lucky in that regard where I got I got to taste what that lifestyle was like for a while. Right. For a, for a couple of years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So tour on the East Coast. Yeah. A l- uh, yep. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, so uh, should I ask what happened that you stopped or, you know, there's, yeah. Um, you know, it's not something I ever really thought about. Um, honestly, or if you don't want to answer that question, that's no, no, I'd do. love to, okay. you know, I, cause kind of, it, it's kind of something I never really thought about, but after I was playing those large, they were basically raves, right? Um, large parties, sure. One-off parties thrown by a production company, booking talent from all over. Those were, that's what those kind of things were. All the while, still going out and partying as a as a party goer as well. In between sure, with sure. my friends, you know, um, uh, dabbling in things that are dangerous and 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 meeting fun people and doing all these things. But as time went on, um, those became fewer and far. You know, far and be, uh, they became far, few. You know, they just weren't happening as much. Right. And I think a lot of that was because. Um, in the music, if you, um, at that time, anybody who was a great DJ could be a great DJ. And if you were a good DJ, you could still get gigs. Right. But then there was like a, there was a time where that started to stop and, and then the big, the people who were getting gigs were people who were making music. Okay. They weren't just playing music. Right. And, um, so even the local, like people from New York City that I'm that I know, and people from Philly that I know, uh, that were not the biggest stars in the music, became uh, really um, hot commodities because they were making music. Right. And then they would play a set of music, and a large portion of it would be their own creation. Sure. And that that started to happen more and more and more. Today, when you go out and listen to headliners in dance music they're playing a lot of what they made, at least in drum and bass, which is right. the music that I play. Right. Um, uh, a lot of the guys that send me music, mm. they're guys who go out and get a gig and play like all music from them and their friends. And they're all people who produce. Sure. So that's kind of was part of it. I didn't make music. So the industry kind of changed. It did a little yeah. bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that was part of it. Right. And I think the other part of it was, um, for me personally, um, I grew up with a bunch of guys and I was the only one playing out. Right. And that was really hard for me because I knew that they, it bothered them. You know, they, they never said that, but it, it it was like leaving your friends behind. So, I mean, what – well, let me ask you this. Like, you guys were all kind of learning this together. Right. We you all met, came up together. You met this promoter, and he picked you out of – He was friends with all of us, but right. he just saw that I could – so you I was the, ready to go beyond. You like, had the biggest potential, is basically what it was. I, I yeah. at that time. Okay, yeah. At that time, yeah. I think that's what you know. And he was just being a realist. He was an he was an honest person. He was real. Right. And he would have given any of those guys the push that they needed if they were ready, but they weren't quite there. Sure, sure. Whereas I was, you know, ready. Right. And um, you know, and I have that, you know, I, you know. You know, we've known each other for a long time. I have that like, uh, you know, boombastic sort of like personality, and a lot of those right. guys aren't quite like that. I, I imagine you need a 
you have to sell yourself. A per- performer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You have to kind of sell yourself. And when you're sure. up on stage, you know, you're not just a robot. You know, you've got to be into it and keep the crowd engaged, you know. And there's that's a whole part of it, too. It's, right. you know, part of it's your music selection. Part of it's, like, keeping, you know, playing a nice smooth set where you're not having, you know, sneakers in the dryer. You know, you're keeping your tunes smooth and right, mixed. Right, right. And then the other third of it is, like, you. You know, you're performing. You're up on stage. You can't hide. You right. know, it's just two turntables. And a lot of times, it's, like, literally, like... That's it. Right. You and lights. Right. You know? So it's, you know, you got to really, like, you got to be there. You got to be present. You got to be into it. You got to be into it. Yeah. You can't just be like the wedding DJ who's sitting there, you know? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And a wedding DJ, you know, it's a whole different thing, you know? They... They put the suit on, you know, they kind of, right. you know, they act all goofy on the microphone, you know, that's, sure. this is, this is different. Um, this is a little more, I mean, and now, nowadays we've come full circle. Now I see kids up there DJing and, you know, they can't mix to save their life, but you know, uh, they, and, but the kids listening don't know what a good mix sounds like. So it's like, right. whatever. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're just up there, they're, they're just dancing the whole time acting totally ridiculous, but you know what? That's what kids want to see. And it works, so it's it's crazy how right. far that he's has evolved. The the industry has, has the, has the just DJ changed. industry has. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny you're you're saying about the industry changing. I'm guessing this was like what in the nineties that year. Um, 90s? no. So I started playing out in the early two thousands. Early two thousands. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I I'm reading this book of um from Edward Burns, the actor. Do you know him? Yeah. Edward, Edward Burns. Yeah, Ed Burns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, I didn't know this, but he's like started out as an indie filmmaker. Like oh, like me, like yeah. from, from New York, you know. Yeah. And um, I'm reading this book about his life right now, and it's all about how he started out. Woody Allen is his hero, right? <laughs> so he's making these Woody Allen type movies. I, hopefully, he doesn't marry his stepdaughter. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> that, hopefully that doesn't happen. But, yeah. Um, oh, Woody. <laughs> be that as it may. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um. So he started out, and that was kind of, he wanted to be Woody Allen, is what he wanted to do. And he acted in all of his movies and this and that, right? And he was making sort of these romantic, you know, with comedy on the light side, right? Uh-huh. And he was he got his first movie into Sundance, right? Which was, like, great. And then that launched his career. And he made a movie called She's the One, which, for some reason, I watched, like, a million times on Comedy Central. Yeah, it was on. yeah. And, uh... And it was it was like a pretty good you know romantic comedy type of movie, right? I know the movie. You know you know what I'm talking about yeah, Cameron yeah. Diaz and yeah. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was his like first big movie that he made, right? Okay. Which I didn't know, but he was starred in it. So, um, so as he's going on, and I haven't reached the end of the book yet, so I haven't got to the conclusion of his story. <laughs> but uh, what's happening now is he made a couple movies like this, but because the industry was changing and because the movies were changing, like none of the studios would buy up his movies anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's happening now. Like you read about spec strip or spec scripts, which like people wrote scripts and sold them to Hollywood. And, you know, there's all these like, you know, rags to riches stories in the early nineties. But now like that's disappeared because script writers like Aaron Sorkin, and they're just trying to find work for dramas because everything's superhero movies now. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's just crazy how like, you know, 10 years ago you're, you know, even though it has nothing to do with your skills, it's just what's in demand. It has evolved. Into yeah. That. Yeah. Speaking so. of Marvel, I uh, just, before you, before we met up, um, I just, did you see the video of Stan Lee? No. Yeah. He's like on the verge of dying. I think. Oh really? He put a video up to like all the fans. Oh, so we'll have to watch that when we're done. Yeah. That's, that's a shame. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's pretty old though. I think he's in his nineties. He's lived he? a pretty good life. 
Yeah. I mean, and he's still living. He's lived a great life. And, yeah, you know, but he has. A, it's a really cool video. It's really touching. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll, have, we'll have to check that out. Yeah. So. We love Stan Lee. Gotta love Stanley. Yeah. Nothing against comic book movies, but that's yeah. just the way things that, are going that right is. now. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. All the blockbusters. I mean, yeah. least, like they're mostly Marvel or DC. It, it's going to be like those Star Wars soon. There's going to be five Star Wars movies a year soon. Yeah. Because that's how it started with Marvel. It was like one movie here, one movie there, and then it's just going to blow up. I know. I'm looking forward to Solo, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. hoping we can catch that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll be... This is getting off topic. We're, we're off topic. <laughs> we're, we're off, off topic. topic. We're talking like we talk at work now. Yeah, sorry. So, anyway, uh, back to DJing. Yes. Okay, so... Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> the the mechanics of it. Like, yes. I, I've never I've never been to a rave. I've never been to a show like that. Yeah, so, a big like, show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, is there, like, an easy way to describe it, or is it more complex? Like, yeah, no, no. It's uh, it's quite easy. It's, okay. Uh, you know, I kind of... I kind of have always likened it to... Um, it's... It's like going to a concert, right? In a lot of ways, you know, you generally you get your tickets beforehand, right? Um, yep, Ticketmaster and all those guys—they all sold tickets to these events. Sure. So it was just like going to see Dave or you know whoever you you know, right, right, Incubus or whatever. Sure. Um, and um, the events and a lot of the events could be outside, um, and they're kind of like festivals. Where where there's usually more than one area, right? So there's a, like a main stage where the international headliners are going to play, and generally speaking, at a rave that would have been like a house or a techno type of room, okay? Because though that brings the that's the widest audience, okay? People love house music. I love house music. It's it's a different type of dance music, but it's loved by many. Even if you're not into dance music, you can walk through a a room and the DJ's playing really good house and totally just start dancing right right You're, you feel it right drum and bass it always was a side room okay type of thing when i was growing up so that would be a separate area you know you'd have drum and bass artists in that separate area and have you always done drum and bass i've always played drum and bass okay yeah that's always been my love okay and to this day um or jungle a jungle is what it used to be called. Yeah, yeah. To be called. yeah. I'm learning. Yeah, <laughs> jungle was a different. It was uh, a lot more drums. Okay, drum and bass is a lot more straightforward. But um, jungle was the same sort of um, progressions, but a lot more drums right. uh, packed into it with a lot of different things. And uh, jungle was just it. It was like a progression. Like we were talking progressions. It right. all started out as like UK hardcore and two step, which was other types of dance music. Jungle sort of evolved from those things, and then that was like jungle was like that for the '90s and the late '90s. Drum and bass started to sort of shoot off from jungle, right, right. and now it you know drum and bass is what it is. And then drum and bass has you know ten subgenres within it. Right. You know, I play a mostly a particular type or two of drum and bass, um, and there's a lot. There's other options as well. So, all right. So um, yeah. Back, I guess my, my question should have been more specific. That's okay. The mechanics of like what you do on stage, yeah, is what is what, um, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so basically, um, as far as from my perspective, when there was like a big party, all the gear would be set up that's you know, that's already sure. there, um, and there's always a stage, so okay. you know, I'd get up, there's usually a backstage area, right, and we'd hang out, and then, um, you know, I'd get up on the Get up on to the stage when it's near my time. We get geared up. Now, this is back in the day when we played vinyl. Um, I don't okay. even play vinyl anymore. Um, 
uh, as you can see, like on the podcast, they wouldn't be able to see it, but um, for the listeners out there, but on video, there's, you know, we have a laptop um, and just about all DJs now and some way, shape or form use their laptop to sort of do their thing. Um, these are special records that, that work with the laptop. Um, oh, so it's uh, literally I, these records never leave my turntables when I do my show. Okay, the tunes are actually selected in a software program. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, so when you're you're playing these specialty records, I mean, is this when you get into like scratching and that kind of thing, or is that, that... it's literally just the tracks? It's like all my records you see off to your the side there. Okay, and rather than carrying a bag full of records and sure, I can do it via the software. I actually meant to have it on. I just didn't think. No, 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 that's okay. So, I mean, like, so you're playing the music, right? Playing the and music. You're talking about they don't know how to mix. What does that mean to mix? So, the mix. Um, mm-hmm. The cornerstone of what we do. Now, basically, like, um, we have a tune playing on a turntable. Okay. You hear it. Right. You're out on the dance floor, you're jamming. Right. My job is to take another tune put it on that turntable. Okay. Listen to it in my ear. You guys can't hear it, but I'm listening to it and I'm taking the pitch control which controls the speed of the turntable. Okay. And I am matching that the speed of that beat to the beat that's already playing. Okay. That's the first part and then introducing it slowly by using the volume and by using the equalizer so each tra- each turntable has a has equalizers that can kill or increase the bass, the mid-range, the treble. And I'm using all these things to sort of blend into the new tune. Okay. And away from the old tune. Okay. Without you even recognizing that that has truly happened. Right. In a seamless fashion. So you don't want that bloop. Well, yeah, you don't don't want like a gap. You don't want what we call shoes in the dryer, which is like when you're train wrecking, the beats aren't synchronized. Okay. There's beats flying all over the place. That's what shoes in the dryer meant. I heard you say it earlier, and I was like, okay, we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. (laughs) That's what shoes in the dryer is. Okay. um, Yeah, so um, mixing seamlessly, blending the two tunes. And that's what a 60-minute mix of me playing would be me doing that over and over again. Um. And there's another part of it, too, tune selection. I mean, you can't take a tune that sounds like uh, death metal and, you know, or something to that effect and play it with something that sounds like, you know, the monkeys. Right. Uh, that would never go. Um, that would be called a mashup, which uh, now has become a thing in the last, like, ten years. But that's not what we do. Right. Um, it would be to take tunes that a vibe. Okay. So, if you will. And using that vibe to drive the mix and where it goes, the ebb and flow okay. um, and keeping everything seamless like a snake. It starts at the head, it ends at the tail. It has many curls and many dips and undulations, but no, at no point did you jump off a cliff to get to the next portion. It Got was it. all a very smooth, um, vibey sort of thing, whatever the type of music we're playing. So a good DJ you should sound like one whole track. One whole track, uh, yeah. Basically. Basically, it should so sound like your... one smooth track with a lot of different elements, and at different times you could say, "Yes, I love this. Right, what is right, this?" Right. You know, because you didn't hear that a few moments ago. Sure. And now all of a sudden it's gone, and damn, what was that tune? Right. Yeah. So that's sort of the deal. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's the in essence that is exactly what it is. So when you are picking the music, like it, say you know you're playing something, they're not into it. You're like, okay, I need something with a little more pep. 
to right. get them going? Like, is that are those the decisions you make when you're picking the music, or do you pick all the music beforehand and go, "This is my set" because I know these so, fifty songs work together, or however many. Do you know what I'm saying? I do know exactly what you're saying. Um, it's an interesting, interesting question. Um, there's many schools of thought here. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of guys and gals, a lot of folks, sure. we'll say, folks. um, that do actually pre-plan their sets. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, right. some of the greatest do that. Sure. Um, they literally, you know, they thumb through their tunes or they, they create a, nowadays they create a folder, um, of the stuff that they want to play at that gig tonight. Right. They're playing NYC and they want to play, this is what they want to present. Right. Um, I have never done that. Never in all the years I've been playing. Right. And I've been at the turntables now from the very beginning for 20 years. Right. I've never planned a set except for when I made that one mix, which was a studio mix done in a studio setting and produced um, by a studio. And they made, you know, hundreds of copies of that CD. Sure. But that was the only mix I ever planned. And I hate that mix. <laughs> I hate it. To I hate it. I, hate, I have never listened. I've never went back and listened to it again because that's not how I do. Right. Um, how I do is I hang out and I party right. with, bef- with while the DJ before me is playing. Right. If we're at a party, and I see what's going on, I dance, I drink, I hang out. Right. And that energy that I feel, I put my, I do my best to inter- interpret that un- into my set. Okay. And so, and I mean, I, I still do my radio show. I do a radio show once a week. I've been doing it for thirteen years. And I, I still, to this day, do not admit, I listen to the guy who does the, sh- the show before me, which for the last several years, it's been this guy. Um, his name's Squake, um, uh, Gino. And uh, I tune into his show on my phone, and I listen to what he's doing, and then I try to get a good vibe off of what he's doing, and then I roll into my roll into my show like that. So you're trying, I mean, do other DJs do that? Do they try to, like, all work together so that you guys, like, are, you know, if you're creating a certain vibe, you keep that vibe going? Yeah. Is that, is that kind of the idea that, that you're projecting? Um, I don't know if other guys do this. The guy, So the, the guy before me on my station, so on the station, right. um, I play on Friday nights. Sure. We call it Freedom Fridays. Um, we'll, we'll get into that then, guys, yeah. so you can check it out if you want to. Yeah, and, and so, um, yeah, so uh, we, 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 um, we call it Freedom Fridays. It's something I dubbed. Okay. Um, and uh, basically... Um, <clears throat> The guy before me and the guy after me, we actually do listen to each other's shows. I mean, I, I've never had this conversation with them. Right. But um, but I know I listen to Gino, mm-hmm. and the guy after me is John. He's from Edmonton, uh, Canada. Canada, yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, and he listens to my show. Right. So we do kind of have this vibey thing that we actually all three of us play similar, but different stuff. Right. So it works really nice for the listeners and the listeners now come back like all the time to hear our show. They, they listen to us all three. They listen to all three shows right. because they're used to us being together. They like freedom Fridays and they like how it kind of vibes together. Sure. So, yeah, but, but even back in the gig days, um, that's exactly what I would do, and I would hope that DJs did that, but I know most didn't. Be- like, a lot of guys... Um, they would just be in their own world. And, and just... they wouldn't care what... Like, they would clear the dance floor. Right. And, like, that wouldn't even bother them. And right. it's just like, dude, 
you know, you should really be, like, keeping this party hyped. Sure. But, yeah, a lot of guys just have it set in their mind what they want to do. And, yeah, so there's there's many schools of thought on this. Well, I, I, I can almost equate it to um, shot planning in filmmaking, is from what you're saying. Mm. Picking the songs and stuff. Like, is that, like, is that storyboarding? Is that... Storyboarding, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't typically storyboard because... We're not doing things like huge action sequences. Sure. Uh, eventually, I may. And I have driven, you know, written out diagrams and like, okay, we're going to move the camera here, there, and there. But, um, you know, I've, I've probably shot planned more recently than I ever did before just because it's a little bit more convenient. But I also like to just throw some of that out sometimes and just go, this feels right right here. And, you know, the PA will be like, hey, that's not on here. I'm like, yeah, don't worry about this. <laughs> like, I'm doing this thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Because... Yeah. You know, I, I found a happy medium because when I wasn't doing it at all, I'd forget stuff and then I wouldn't have enough coverage. Right. But if it was too specific, I just, I don't work like that. I'm spontaneous. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I, I understand do. what you're, where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So it's uh that's cool. That's, that's that you keep all of that in mind to get, you know, you're thinking of the fans and the people out there and not yeah. your ego. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I... I'm a very, I have an ego issue, so I try to always keep that in check. Right. You know, um, that was something I had when I was younger. So yeah, it's not about me. Right. It's about us. Um, it's like a, it's like the credo of my show. Right. Um, I always talk about the listeners being my musical family. Sure. It's something we mention every every week. Right. Um, and and I mean that, you know, because the show I could I could do my radio show, which is how I generally have, that's my artistic, um, that is my artistic sort of outlet now. Right. Um, and I could do it and not care what anybody's doing. Sure. Or how the listeners feel, but that's not, how, that wouldn't be fun to me. I don't know how anybody else is, but that wouldn't be fun to me. Um, so when I'm doing my show, I'm logged into our station chat room. I'm chatting. Right. All the while. I'm chatting on Facebook. I'm chatting on Instagram. Right. And and um um meanwhile you're doing all of this too yeah so i'm doing all so I'm, I'm i'm doing my mix yeah i when there's tunes that need to be talked about i'm on the mic right um i'm chatting with all the listeners which it's usually it's not that many conversations it's somewhere between 10 and zero conversations right so it's not that many it's not like i have 50 conversations happening sure but um i'm chatting um and my children will be down here having a nerf battle right all the while of course so i'm getting pegged in the back of the head <laughs> and they're you know, and there's a fight there's a fifth fight happening in the middle of the floor you know because yeah, like, yeah. they, they, they only want to be down here when i'm down here right and otherwise it's not that fun down here so um yeah these are all things that are happening right all the while yeah if, yeah. if most famous djs had to deal with nerf battles I'm you know saying. that that's 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 a hell of a training <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and cleaning up because I was tidying up for you to to, to come over. Yeah. I, I literally found Nerf darts in the studio. Oh, fun! Wet wedged into gear and things. <laughs> I'm just like, where, how long has this been here? Uh, so yeah, yeah. So all the while, um, we're doing all those things. But the main thing is is putting on a good show and making sure it's fully inclusive to anybody to anybody who wants to um interact with me during the show sure I'm, I'm wide open i don't i don't close myself off um, if someone wants to critique they can critique away right i'm used to it um 
over the 13 years I've been doing the show, I've heard lots of nasty stuff thrown my way. Right. Lots of good stuff thrown my way, and uh, you just roll with it. Well, for as many good comments, there's 10 bad comments. That's you know, it, yeah. There's lots of people that are and assholes out in the line, and, online. And, yeah. be, and to be fair, I haven't had that many bad ones because it's a really positive community that we sure, sort sure. of are involved in. Um, but, you know, what are you yeah, going to do? you still get them. You get them. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah no, I get it. So And that's life. So here's one question I had, and I don't know if you know the answer to this or not. Like you're playing other people's music, yes. up on stage, mm-hmm. and you're selling tickets, and you're, you know, yep. is that ever like come into play? Like, yeah, it, as a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not because that is part of the music. So when you're a producer, okay. producing music, right? In in this case, drum and bass, the thing that I know the best. You, the tunes are being sold, right? And once you sell that tune. Whether it's played at a wedding or it's played at a rave, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you, you, that's, you signed the tune right to that record label. Okay. Um, so there's no issue because you basically, yes, it's your tune, but you granted the record, you want it to be released. So you granted the record label permission to, you know, to, to have that tune. Back in the day, it was to press it to vinyl. Okay. Nowadays, it's to put it up on one of the digital record stores. Sure. For purchase. Right. And that's that's how that works. So it's not. It's just out there for you to buy, and then you have the rights to it. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah. So I mean, I don't buy music. I haven't bought music in probably, I don't know, five years or okay. six years. There's a couple tunes that I buy that I can't get. Sure. But almost everything that I get is from producers that want their tunes heard. Okay. So. And because I've been on bass drive for a long time, that affords me a, a large influx of fantastic music, right? At all times, um, to the point where now we have like a we have a, like a we have a station an interstation email, right? And that corresponds with a lot of record labels and a lot of artists, and we get a lot of tunes that are that are um, totally permitted to be shared amongst the staff of the station. Okay, all right. So now that's where I get my music from. Got it. If I really want a tune from an artist that I can't get through conventional means of us getting music, I reach out to the artist, and generally speaking, they'll give them to me. Well, you're playing it now. I'm playing it. Yeah. yeah, I'm playing it. I'm introducing it. Anything that's new or exclusive. Like a lot of the music I've played over the years hasn't been released for a couple years. Right. and at, at, at times um but i'm i'm miking over it right so i'm telling the listener this is who made this this is what it is it's forthcoming on this label um if i have a release date or it just came out this is where you get it so those are all promote free promotions sure yeah so, so and, and there's not a lot of money to be made in our music but so every little dollar counts right so we do our best to make sure the artist gets uh uh gets their dues sure sure that makes sense yeah it just it's you know I'm a rock guy so it's yeah, like it's you know it'd be like if the you know you went to see the Foo Fighters and they were doing Red Hot Chili Pepper songs yeah you know it's what I mean? it's, it's, a, it's a hard concept when you're really like like you yourself you like really like certain bands um, right you know it's hard to imagine in this like litigious society how it's like this the thing about it is is that in niche musics and like niche like little subgenres and genres of dance music in particular sure but I'm sure it's like this in like indie rock. Right. Very, you know, or things like that. Um, Exposure might be the only thing you're ever going to get. Right, right. You know, and so you might as well put your hard work into something. Right, right. This is why DJs who make music 
are the thing because that's how they make their money is playing out. They so play their if own you, music. if yeah. you can get to a point where you're actually like wanted to be put, like we want that guy to play. Right. That's a good place in life because now you're getting money to fly all around and play your music because you're probably not making a whole bunch making it. I was going to say that is a double-edged sword because you, not only do you have to make good music, but you also have to be a good DJ. And many aren't. Yeah, right. Well, as you were saying before, <laughs> yeah. many aren't. So maybe that the people don't care. They just like the personality. And... They just like the artist yeah. and they support. Yeah. yeah. And and actually in dance music now, and there's a like I said, there's a lot of different genres out there. Um, a lot of those guys and gals, they can't play very well, but they make great tunes. Right. And that's kind of powers the that powers the uh, that powers the um, the industry. Well, what I know of modern. EDM, which I guess is what yeah, that's is, is what that, people call it now. Is that house? Is that basically what you refer to as house music? You know, EDM is like a dirty word. Okay, um, I don't recognize it, um, okay. <laughs> but many people do. Okay, um, when I think of EDM, I think of like, like, like produced for the radio, like not not internet radio, but like produced for like terrestrial radio. Okay, like like our local pop station could play it on a Saturday okay. night. Like that's. That electronic music is EDM to me. I also clumped dubstep into that. Yeah. So anybody who's listening to this that knows dubstep, yeah, I'm not a really big fan um, of some of that music, trap and those things, you know. Right. And I clump all that new modern stuff kind of in that EDM thing. Okay. Um, I'd like to think that we are not part of EDM. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess in the eye, it's the, in the eye of the beholder, I suppose. So is drum and bass still big, or is that kind of a, a so, like an old an, out, uh, and, yeah, an old uh, an old sock? Yeah, it kind of is. Um, yeah. You know, so it used to be huge in the U.S. Right. Um, it used to be huge in the U.K. It started in the U.K. That's where it came from. Right. Um. Uh. But um, it has portions in the states that are still like like hot spots. Right. You know, that's really really thriving. Philadelphia, not so much. Not so much. New York, not so much. Uh, the East Coast pretty much is like just barren. It was hot here first, right, for many many years, and it's just not that much anymore. But there's parts of the world where it's like still huge. There's parts of Europe where it's like unbelievable. The parties they're strictly drum and bass. It's not any other type of dance music, and they're playing to massive crowds. Right, these guys who are making tunes. Right, um, and so it's still thriving, just not here. Just yeah, there's just pockets of it. Yeah, yeah. which is why people like me are growing older and doing internet radio <laughs> and just about that only you know nothing else There's right too many gigs to go around right so um so real quick i mean i don't we're running short on time here so i don't want to get too far into it but if yeah. somebody wanted to kind of get started now you're yeah. as we were just saying drum bass is kind of a yeah but djing and it's you know it's a large you know there's a lot of different types of music you can dj not EDM because that's a dirty word, but <laughs> you can call it whatever you want. Dubstep or yeah. or whatever, you yeah. know, the, the the principles are the same. Absolutely. Okay. So if somebody would get started, you know, like what are they looking at, like money wise, just to kind of get a basic setup going? Like, well, you know, they don't make these turntables anymore. I have Techniques twelve um, hundreds. They're the the godfather of turntables. Okay. But there's a lot of different turntables out there. So to get a t set of turntables and a, and a decent mixer. Um, and you, of course, you'd have to have a laptop and a, some software. You're probably looking at about fifteen hundred bucks. Okay, that's not too bad as like an entry level. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. What you have, what I have before you here, 
in my setup, my mixer alone was over a thousand dollars. Sure. Um, when it came out, but um, you know, I you know, full disclosure, I didn't pay full price for that. In fact, it was um, kind of a gift from a friend. Right. Um, as were my turntables, to be honest with you. That was from a girl I used to date a long time ago, and uh, go Alyssa. She was awesome. She helped me. Help me get into the my own gear, right. uh, but you know you need a you need a modern laptop. You need software, and the software can be expensive. It can be up to like three four hundred bucks just for like a pair of piece of software. Sure, but you need that. Right, um, and then of course you have to buy all your tunes, and you know tunes can be kind of expensive. So, right, but to get the gear that you need, you're probably looking at about fifteen hundred bucks. All right, well it's not too bad. No, no, just, you, just just to get going. Most guys don't even use turntables anymore. They use what's called a controller, which is just like a. It, it's like a simulated version of turntables and a mixer. Okay. It's all digital. Right. And it just has little jog wheels. Okay. Um, and uh, that's kind of how the industry has gone gone now. Right. I'm sort of a dinosaur like with this stuff. Right. Um, and you could like again, you could probably get entry level stuff with the laptop and the controller for probably about that price, fifteen hundred, two grand. Right. 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 Um, and a lot of guys and gals do make the jump and try. So I mean, but you're saying now, I mean, and is this still true with EDM and all that stuff? You need your own music to kind of, you know, you can get local gigs. Okay, there's lots of guys in Allentown around, you know, in right. Bethlehem that live around us that that have local gigs. I'm friends with a lot of those guys. They're still doing their thing. Right. Um, there's still gigs to be had, but you have to again, you have to play the music that they want to hear. Right. Um, which you know, no one wants to hear mine. <laughs> <laughs> Not in this area. Right. So, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's guys. You know, there's always going to be a room for uh, modern dance music, whatever's coming out. Right. Also, you know, hip hop and rap. There's always going to be an, a place where that can be played because um, it's very popular. Sure. Um, you know. So yeah. So you. You could still conceivably be a DJ in this Absol- day and age. Absolutely. Yeah. There's okay. there's still kids seeing it, um, and then wanting to do it, and then going out and doing it. Right. Yeah. That's totally a dream that people can can achieve. Right. Right. Even there- on a level locally, like a small level, which is still like a big deal, I think. Right. Right. Well, there you go, guys. Fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. Get cracking. It's all. It's all you need. So, and then um, find you your show is on Base yeah. Drive. Yeah. Let so you, let you promote that a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, to see my show, uh, you have to go to BassDrive.com. Um, it's each and every Friday, 8 to 9 Eastern, 7 to 8 Central. Um, we have an archive website. So I most of my shows from the last 13 years are at BassDriveArchive.com, um, where all of our shows are archived, and you can download them for free. Um, and, yeah. That's that's it. Every each and every Friday, Freedom Fridays is what we do on Bass Drive. But it's uh we have over sixty staff members, so the music is we have live programming all almost all day and almost all night East Coast time every day of the week. Right. So there you go. If you guys listen to it, you got twenty four hours of drum bass. <laughs> yeah, there's it, there's always some there's it, there's never dead air. So, so yeah. Well. I think we, uh, I think I got through about two questions. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. No, 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 it's okay. We were talking about some interesting stuff. So let's let's end with this one. So, yeah, yeah. Um, greatest show you ever played, greatest accomplishment, greatest, uh, mm, like, it, it kind of uh, the height of your DJing career. What mm. would you think? Pinnacle. Um, <clears throat> well, I could pick many things, but um, I would... I would actually say the greatest thing I ever did was hit the ten mile, the ten year mark on bass drive. 
Okay. That was like a big deal for me to stick something out for like that long. Right. And ha- be happy and satisfied. Right. I played some really big gigs you know, over the years, live gigs back when that was my thing. And those I look back fondly. But the most fond thing musically for me has been bass drive because it has given it has filled my life with like musical joy. Sure. And that well will never run dry. As long as I'm willing to like stand up and do a show every Friday or whenever I want, um, I can. And there's something to be said to be like nurtured and held and caressed by bass drive the station. It really has kind of kept me connected to my music when it could have easily just fallen out of my life. So right. I so when I hit ten years, that was a really big accomplishment, and you know I, I I literally cried several times during that show, just thinking, "Wow, I cannot believe I've been doing this for ten years, and I'm sure. still so happy about it." You right. know, and that was a really big thing for me. So I would say that was that was actually my biggest accomplishment. Awesome. Yeah, I listened to that show. Did you really? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, you might have. It was the it was the last year or two wasn't it it was so i just hit my 13th year anniversary yeah okay so i knew you then yeah oh yeah i remember you got you were excited about it oh yeah jamie and i both tuned in jamie did tune in yeah yeah because i was i remember i was i was up in the man cave listening to it while while i was i I forget what i was doing but i had it on the background nice yeah it's really good uh even if you're not into it it's good uh it's good music for like studying or working or a lot of people do that yeah, it probably good exercise music too. Tons of people love. There's a yeah. whole there's a whole exercise regiment in the UK where they actually do like uh what's the fighting thing? Um uh, kind of like um I can't remember the a, guy's name. Uh, but, is, are you thinking like Zumba? No, I guess whatever. It's like a workout thing. Uh, okay. Um where tons of people get together but they like shadow box. Oh, okay. And but while listening to drum and bass. Oh, that's and cool. they actually have a live DJ and a live MC spitting rhymes and lyrics and they're like and they're from our music and these people are there you go man it's you pretty cool get, you get, that get going that. in the Lehigh valley oh yeah. my god I, sh- I should that would be a good good night gig go out there and you know <laughs> they do it like in the middle of the day like in a park oh do they yeah, or wherever they are yeah, yeah it's cool that's that's pretty cool it stuff. is cool yeah 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 so that's that's another way our music lives on i i'd be remiss if i didn't mention this and we're not gonna have time to get into it unfortunately but nate Armbuster was in our movies TTBOP. Yeah. And uh, I look on it fondly. Yes. It was fun. He had no experience, but we're like, this guy's a character. And I work with him on my day job or our day job, I guess. I yeah, should we work say. together. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I was like, this guy's a character. We're putting him in there. <laughs> and he did great. So you can see him in Desolation. He's a total asshole in Desolation. Oh, but... my gosh. I was just thinking about it today. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the cocaine scene. I don't know why. <laughs> that, that was improv, his cocaine scene. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Definitely check him out. Actually, I, I even heard of all the people in Desolation because we had a great cast and crew. Oh in, my gosh, in so many was, talented that, people. That was fun. Yeah. Um, there's several people who were like, "Who's that guy that played Tony? He's my favorite." <laughs> so you know, just the, the the character. You know, he's a good character actor, and uh, yeah. you know, stay tuned because we're uh, we're working on another movie, and uh, we want we want to bring most of that crew back in. Oh yeah. And and a few new faces too, just to kind of mix these guys all up because the ad-libbing and the it was a really fun shoot and you know it was fun so i really i really appreciate you guys putting me in that that was fun that was a lot of fun yeah absolutely and uh as soon as we have right parts for you yeah because you gotta find the right part that fits i know the arm butter yeah you know because i understand (laughs) you're not you're you're not an an actor in the traditional sense you're you're a guy that likes to jump in and have a good time i do you know sometimes we need that subtlety 
Yeah, you know, and, yeah. Uh, he kind of goes <laughs> off the rails usually. <laughs> so, but you know, again, goes back into why you made a good performer. Yeah, I, I guess so. you're right. Yeah, I, uh, acting was a lot of fun. It, you guys actually turned me on to something I never th- thought I'd be into. Yeah, yeah, that was. It's really fun. I look forward to every time you ask me to come do something. I'm like really pumped about it. I as soon as I, <laughs> I keep getting more delayed with getting this last project done but eventually we'll get to it hopefully the fall is when i'm when i'm I'm hoping to get it done hey you know iron's in the fire i know it's it's all good what are you gonna do yeah that's a good thing it is but you know yeah it's been busy yeah sure sure but anyway all right well thank you nate for coming on the show thank you very much for having me yeah i hope everybody learned a little something about djing yeah i don't know it's uh (laughs) <laughs> it's a crazy world uh, of of music, but it, it uh, hopefully we enlightened a little bit, and shed a little bit of light on the underground. It's uh, unfortunately the the EDM. I'm I'm disappointed because that's huge right now. I'm like, oh Nate, Nate, huge, Nate huge. could be getting back into this, but it's not. Yeah, no, it's, it's if, different. If, if I was willing to learn a new music and and uh, learn to love a new music, I probably could. But um, but yeah. right, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, so this is episode number five of the Hometown Pipe Dreamers podcast featuring Nate Reflect Armbuster. Reflect, of course, being his DJ name, which I don't know if we got into or not, but you can see that nice little sign above his uh, DJ setup if you're watching the YouTube video, uh, which says Reflect. Uh, Also, you know, I thought it was pretty interesting uh, learning all about what it takes to be a DJ. I never really knew uh, the mechanics behind it, so uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it learning a little bit about that and if you are aspiring to be a dj you know go out grab some equipment um you can either contact nate on uh on facebook just look search nate reflect armbuster and uh you know he'd be happy to chat with you a little bit more about it so next time next month hopefully we're gonna get becca johnson on the show to uh, learn a little bit about uh special effects makeup and gore and all that all that bloody disgusting good stuff so um still trying to lock down a, a date and time to meet with her but uh i have her slated as the our next guest so um hopefully next time i see you guys we'll be talking with her but in the meantime feel free to follow us on facebook at h-town pipe dreamers or on twitter at podcast pipe or just simply search hometown pipe dreamers podcast on soundcloud and youtube you can also follow us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, as well as Google Play. So uh, follow us, give us good ratings, uh, share us. Uh, let's let's get the word out, guys. So um, until next time, uh, enjoy.